0: First of all, welcome to the Talking Pictures Podcast, Adrian Wilkinson. It's a pleasure uh, to chat with you across many states.
1: Tony Toscano, one of my favorite human beings to walk the planet. I am so honored to be on your show. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I was thinking that, you know, I'm doing a lot of these podcasts, uh, both both video podcasts and audio podcasts these days, and uh, you and I talk Kind of all the time, but we never really talk professionally and so um, I, I i just said well it 's time and I well let's get into it, yeah yeah, so first of all um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about acting because uh, of all the things that I know about you, that is probably your first love uh career wise uh, is to is to be an actress, so what got you? motivated what got you started in in the uh in, in this career
1: uh true story that sounds fake uh i had not planned to be an actress that was not actually on my agenda at all uh, i grew up as a dancer and then when i realized that most dancers have ended their career by the time they're about 24 i realized ooh, that's not the right choice <laughs> so I also had uh, quite a passion for business. So I was focusing on that, but I was still pursuing dance as just a passion and a hobby. And my senior year of high school, I was getting my senior portraits done for the yearbook. And the photographer that I went to that weekend was hosting an acting class. And I had never acted before, was not looking for it. But to be completely honest, I was sixteen years old and just didn't really know how to say no when somebody was upselling me. <laughs> so <laughs> he he sort of convinced me to join the class and and I did. It was that weekend and it turned out even though this was a tiny town in the Midwest, the people teaching the class were three casting directors from Los Angeles. And it just so wow. happened that this photographer had lived in LA and knew them. And one of the uh Well, two of them worked for ABC at the time. One was the head of casting and one was the head of daytime casting. And I had never acted a day in my life, though I had been on stage a lot as a dancer. And they gave us scenes and sort of taught us how to, I want to say how to act, but they didn't really have time for that. They just sort of taught us how to function in front of the camera. And lucky for me, I had some sort of presence and I didn't fall flat on my face, although I'm sure I was not great at the time. But... To make a long story, slightly longer, Uh, about a week later, I was offered a job on a soap opera. It turns out they were trying to fulfill a certain role. They just had not been able to cast. And that casting director had me on tape from the workshop. And through that, this opportunity landed in my lap, which would have required moving to New York and having a completely different life and also learning to act. Because let's be honest, I've. I might have had some natural skill, but I really didn't know what it was like to be on set. But uh, about, I was about, excited. About how
0: old were you? When, when...
1: Uh, it was the week of my 17th birthday.
0: Wow. So you're and still you know, young. You're very young.
1: Yeah. Oh, completely green and just a baby and My parents, who I don't even remember if they knew I had taken the workshop, but either way, I sort of came to them and said, "Uh, I just got offered this job in New York. and Of course, they thought it was a scam and said, "Uh, nope, that's not happening. So, of course, it didn't happen. And uh, what it did do was light a fire in me. I realized that not only had I truly loved being on stage and crafting characters and this experience made me realize that it actually was a way that people can make a living. And it had just sort of seemed magical before that moment. But once I realized it was possible, I jumped in with both feet, and I was taking classes multiple nights a week. I, was, I think I had something like 300 monologues memorized that year just because I was doing whatever I could to do what I could on my own. And as soon as I graduated high school, I then moved to Los Angeles.
0: And uh, and were you pursuing the dancing thing even after you moved to Los Angeles?
1: Never professionally. Uh, I did do some dance out here just by uh, just happen dance, just people I knew, and I just happened to have the right skill at the right moment. But it's different to be somewhat good at dance versus arriving in a place and realizing, oh, wow, these are professional dancers that are stunningly talented. So, I kind of realized that my path was more in the creative side. And, you know, I just, I truly love acting because it is storytelling, which I have an absolute obsession for in all forms, but also because it's transformation, which I just think is this exquisite thing that humans get to do again and again and again, whether that's professionally on screen or whether that's in their daily lives. I just think it's this gift that we as humans have to be able to. Up level our lives, transform ourselves, try a new part of our personality out, and just you know continue to thrive mm-hmm. in ways that can surprise ourselves. I just love that
0: but but you kept yourself busy in Los Angeles in those early early years um I know that you you did a few television shows like Sweet Valley high um I think Saved by the Bell the new class I think you were now.
1: So I did, I did. I got my first job within four months of moving here, but I didn't actually make a living at it officially until a few years later when I booked Being a Warrior Princess.
0: Yeah, but I mean this is this is kind of a cue to all the actors and actresses out there that are, you know, new. Is is you know, the first thing to do is, is get seen, get get used to being on the set.
1: You know, everybody's journey is different and mine was strange because I actually got offered a second soap opera before I moved to Los Angeles. So I really felt like, oh, they're just giving these jobs away and they cannot wait for me to show up. And I showed up completely. Yeah, truly. I completely showed up expecting that I would be immediately hired and immediately have a new life. And the hilarious thing that happened is that the one casting director that I knew who had offered me both of those jobs Two weeks after I moved to Los Angeles, he quit the business to become a chef, which was his personal passion. (laughs) So, you know, I, I showed up thinking that I had, you know, this whole thing down and then, you know, kind of started from the beginning. I was incredibly lucky because through that experience I did show up having an agent waiting for me. So I I wasn't completely lost in the shuffle. I was surrounded by people that were protecting me from sketchy, you know, quote unquote opportunities and and really guiding me in the right way. What
0: was the audition process like for Xena, Warrior Princess? This is the year 2000.
1: Yes. Well, people both love and hate this story. Um, the well, The truth is I turned down that audition multiple times, not because I had anything against the show, but because I was working on another project at the time, and it just conflicted with the appointment, so I couldn't attend. But they weren't finding what they looked for, and... They invited me back multiple times until it did fit my schedule, which is kind of unheard of in television because it usually casts so quickly. Now, one of the reasons that I was not super excited about the role was I just didn't think I had a chance because at the time it was very top secret. And the only information they were giving out was that it was for the role of the nemesis of the warrior princess. And that was the only information. And I just thought, there's absolutely no way they're going to cast me because I'm brunette and I kind of sort of look like Lucy. And that's just not what they do on TV. They cast, you know, a brunette. Uh, they they cast a, a redhead opposite her, or a blonde, or a different ethnicity, or something. And they did invite me in. They did invite me to a callback. And then suddenly I got the role. And it wasn't until. I was on the plane on my way to New Zealand, reading the script that they had sent me the night before. That I then was reading the fact that I was actually playing the daughter of Dina Warrior Princess, which was wow. completely a shocker for me. It's not something that anybody had been known to been told to expect, been known to expect. It was really top secret because they they were doing a, a not exactly a cliffhanger, but a, a pretty remarkable thing in the, in the middle of the season. And they out. didn't want that slipping out because at the time it was the biggest show in the world in terms of viewership. And so there were a lot of people that would, would be interested in the plot lines.
0: Uh, but out of the biggest show in the world that, that Vena was, you made some incredible friendships. I mean, Renee O'Connor, uh, Lucy Lawless. I mean, um, you guys were like a family stuck out in New Zealand. Oh,
1: uh, we were. Um, I don't know if it's because we were in New Zealand. I, I, truly believe it's just because it was such a wonderful group of people and they they were really just an extraordinary cast i mean lucy and renee are two of my favorite humans that walk the earth just like you you're in good company and um uh you know they just set such a great tone for the show because they're both not only incredibly talented actresses but they're just both such team players and you know bring such great motivational energy to everyone which is really a requirement on any show but particularly on a show like that because it's so physical you're outside for you know i would say six out of eight days of every episode we were filming outside which is especially exhausting when you're dealing with the weather and the elements and and uh you know just under the hot sun or you know Mm -hmm. doing these very physical scenes and all of this fighting and uh it can be just especially challenging and they would just keep the energy up and really set the tone, and you know we were all in it together. It was a really well-oiled machine. By the time I joined the the family, and it was just a joy. I mean, it's, it remains to this day the best adventure I've ever had. Just really, really full Being of love, a dancer, and joy. Help, help you a lot. I think so. Uh, growing up as a dancer, I had zero fight experience, but what I did have was a a, a solid talent at picking up choreography. So I could pick up the moves quite quickly, which is important because you generally learn the fights the day of the, of filming them. So, and, and these fights could be, you know, I was supposed to be an epic warrior. So these fights were quite complicated and involved weapons and acrobatics. And of course we also had stunt doubles who did the, the most severe of the tricks and the wire work and things, but still it was a lot that rested on our shoulders to take it from potentially being ridiculous into, uh, being really compelling television. So, yeah, I definitely think being a dancer helped. But,
0: but then Zena ends, you know, and, 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 and you're looking for new work and, and all, and you kind of found, uh, the, the, the new, at the time, the new, uh, network was the UP, UPN and you found <laughs> As If. Tell me a little because that was a one season show, but, uh, what a great cast he had, and you played Nick
1: as if was cutting edge at the time. Uh, just in the way that we filmed it, and the way that it was edited, it was originally a British show. and we were the American version of that show, and we filmed that entire first season. Uh, I don't. How do I put this? We filmed it all. We on day one, we got every episode for the season, and we oh. filmed it based on location. So every scene that happened in the entire season in that coffee shop would be shot on these three days.
0: You did shot. Yeah,
1: we did. We did. So it was hilarious. We had every item of clothing for the entire season went with us on every location because they just had to make sure they had everything on hand. And it it made it challenging because everything was out of order And in one day, you're playing, you know, you're in the same environment, but you're playing completely different moments in time and trying to make sure that it's making sense and not confusing and uh, just that it's working. And we also shot that show with this massive filming permit for downtown Los Angeles. So we shot a lot guerrilla style. We had like a, say, a 16-square block radius that we were – working with, and we would just jump out of the vans and start filming scenes until people on the street noticed. And as soon as they noticed, we would jump back in the vans, go to a different location, find something that would work, jump out, and start filming. And it made it incredibly full of energy and certainly fun to shoot, challenging to shoot, but very fun to shoot. But the hilarious and tragic ending to this story, uh, which I just, it just makes me laugh because it just shows how... You know, the actors don't really, they are just simply not given all the information. But what happened is uh, Viacom purchased UPN during the time that we were making that series. And contractually, they were required to finish out the contract. In other words, let us finish filming the series. But what we didn't know is that they had decided before we had ever shot even one day they had already decided that they weren't going to air our show because oh, it would make them more money to air other shows. In the end, because they liked it, they gave us just a bit of, of, I think we only one or two episodes aired, which was, I think, just filler for them. But then they put on a show of their own that was cheaper to make and so the returns would be better, which had been their plan all along. And tell me, prepare yourself. <laughs> the show we were replaced with, was a reality show, and this was right as reality was taking off. It was a reality dating show where strangers, couples, would be chained together to spend 24 hours together to see if it was true love, where they could be no more than 12 feet apart from each other. It was called Chains of Love. Oh, wow. (laughs) I just think it's hilarious. I just think, you know, the entertainment business is It's full of such humor to me, and it's so delightful because it's both extraordinary and ridiculous, always at the same time.
0: Yeah, you're never as an actress, you're never sure who's got the power to hire you or even fire you. You know, it's always left up to the gods, it seems to me.
1: Well, you're right. It's certainly not up to us. the The way that things unfold is always a surprise, and you know, at some moments you feel frustrated because you feel like you're due information, but on the other hand. You know, my lane is just to do the work, so I try to be focused just on my work and happy with the work regardless of what happens to it. Because because there's so little that we have control over, it would be crazy-making if you let it bother you because you don't know what the schedule of release will be like, what the distribution will be like, what the editing will be like. So, you know, you just have to enjoy the experience for what it is as you are filming and hope that it's even better in the end.
0: Right after that, you started doing voice acting work. Uh, and and you seem to be doing a lot of that um, throughout the throughout the next portion of your life. Uh, is voice acting freeing? I mean, do you enjoy it more than stage acting or, or film and television?
1: I don't enjoy it more, but I definitely enjoy it. I mean, the great thing about voice acting is that you get to play characters that you would never have the chance to on screen. Uh, when you're just being the voice, you can be any age, you can be uh, any background, you can be human or not. You can do all of these things that, that your type might not be considered for if it was an on-camera role.
0: And looking at your filmography, there's a couple I want to ask you about. Like, let's talk sure, sure. puberty for girls and let's talk puberty for boys.
1: I, this is a, you're learning a big secret about me. Are you ready? Yeah. So a friend of mine directed those projects they were disney projects that were educational films for i think the target was fourth and fifth graders uh clearly about puberty uh the specific reason that i did those projects the reason i said yes is because i had this epic moment in my life where when i was a ch- when i was a kid the first movie that i saw in a movie theater was the movie annie and i loved it i was obsessed with it so eventually it started playing on tv and you know, it was always a holiday movie, and I saw this movie so many times. I could quote it word for word. I I was just obsessed with Annie. Well, fast forward to my fifth grade year, and it's time for the sex education class, and the boys get sent to one classroom and the girls get sent to another, which, by the way, is absurd. This is ridiculous teaching, but whatever. Uh, that has since changed. But, but the girls are in one room. And they pull in this, uh, you know, they pull in the TV and they're going to pop in a video. They turn the TV on and my my brain like explodes because the girl who is teaching us about becoming a woman on this video is the girl who played Annie. Oh, no. So Annie is teaching me what's happening in my life. And it was this moment that I never forgot and that I was always so charmed by so when my friend got this job and was uh, uh, directing and producing this project and reached out to me, it just tickled me. I, it, I just thought it was so funny and also, I mean, certainly educational and worthwhile material, but I just thought it was so funny and I truly said yes because of that Annie adjacent moment that happened when I was in fifth grade. Well, you know, the,
0: like I said, the business is it's a very interesting business and there are certainly a lot of... Unique coincidences, you know, one week you're working uh, with with a guy that's a gapper and, you know, six years later, he's directing a film you're in. I mean, that's how kind of interesting I've always felt show business has been. Do you find that true as well? Are there people that keep running into your life uh, from different uh, areas in your past?
1: Oh, completely. But not only do I think that that just naturally happens, I actively make that happen. I'm a, I'm a big believer in loving everyone that you work with. I want to have an incredibly joyous work experience. And so I make a point to stay connected to anybody that I enjoyed working with, whether that was a gaffer or the director or the makeup artist or whoever. If I like someone, I make sure we swap info and professionally we stay connected. So that's one of the reasons that you watch as people grow and thrive and, you know, find themselves in new opportunities. And, you know, the sort of the more powerful that someone gets in that particular moment in their life, you know, one of the main things that we all want is to be able to trust our team. And so it doesn't surprise me when things like that happen where you are working again and again with the same people just because you created this collective where you feel safe and able to really push your talent and feel not only challenged by those around you who are pushing you to do your best, but also just that you are in an environment that is safe enough for you to take chances and just feel supported. Yeah. So I do that all the time. That's one of the the joys, I think, of being in this business.
0: And, and I'm noticing that you're still very, very busy. You've got uh, a couple of things in either post-production right now or, or coming out soon.
1: <laughs> I do have a few irons in the fire. Um, last week I had a film come out called Burning Dog uh it's uh myself and greg grunberg eddie jemison uh johnny dowers it's on all the streaming platforms so you can look up burningdogfilm.com and it has direct links to all of the the streaming outlets uh that one i'm just it was a joy to film it's super fun and ridiculous. It's an action comedy. I have the most absurd outfits I've ever worn in my life. I mean, in one wow. scene, I'm dressed as a teddy bear. So that alone. Is, uh, and I and you're right. Uh, Dreamcatcher was also on the roster. Uh, Dreamcatcher will be out in theaters later this year. Uh, it is a thriller. I play a character named Josephine Tully, who is an agent. And Maybe the most fun I've ever had as a character because even though it's a modern day, you know, current project, it takes place at an EDM music festival, very sexy young cast, and it's just a delight for the eyes. It's really just a yummy movie to, to watch. I saw the rough cut of it a couple of months ago, and it's really just delicious. But the character that I play is so self-centered and so just does not care about anybody else that it just is hilarious. I mean, for me to play, it was so funny. But I just think it's so great on screen because there's a lot of these young kids that are sort of self-obsessed in their own selfie way. And her mm-hmm. commentary, Josephine's commentary through the movie, I just find so delightful. And I think people will get a real kick out of it.
0: And along with that, though, I mean, just before the coronavirus hit us, uh, you were doing conventions all over the world. Um mm-hmm people still are in love with uh, with your character from Xena and um, discovering you anew, as they say, with reruns and all of that. How does that make you feel that, you know, you are quite sought after?
1: Uh, it's a it's a funny thing that I think none of us expected when we were on the show. Even knowing that it was a popular viewing experience, I don't think any of us involved on Xena on would have thought that it would still be a touchstone for people, but it has really had a second life or a third or a fourth life at this point where, you know, it's, it's great television in that it's escapism if that's what you're looking for. It's empowerment if that's what you're looking for. It's girl power if that's what you're looking for. It's, uh, it's the great thing about the show is that it never took itself so, too seriously. So there would be these hilarious campy episodes that are just silly and fun. Mm-hmm. And there would be these deep emotional, spiritual episodes that were beautiful. And there were also, you know, it sort of took your poison. There were also musical episodes and, you know, just all kinds of things. And, and you know, conventions, the personal appearances have been really remarkable in being able to have direct contact with that fan base and that fan base that just continues to grow. And they've become so. Mm-hmm. Such a powerful community and such an amazing force for good. The Xenite community has raised, I mean, I would say millions of dollars at this point uh, for various charities. And it's, you know, the there was a theme throughout the show of Zena about the greater good, and that has continued on. And it's been just an absolute joy to be part of and to just to see how people have used these you know, what, what can seem silly and just entertainment, but when you realize it has this massive impact on people's lives and, and that even though on one hand it is just storytelling, on another hand, it is absolutely shelter for a lot of people. It's being seen for a lot of people. It's having a friend for many people. And certainly that's the Venus, not the only show that qualifies for all of those things. But I think it was one of the original shows that really... Gave a voice to the voiceless and an identity to a lot of people who felt they weren't seen on screen up until then. And, you know, it's also just, in terms of personal appearances, it's also just fun because, you know, I have work in the, in, with Zenites, I have worked in the Star Wars universe and in the Star Trek universe and in the Whedonverse. And so yeah. just getting to experience all these different fan bases and you also feel absolutely just so grateful that you were able to play that part in that person's life because they saw something in that character that saved them at a special moment or gave them family at a moment or just made them feel seen. And there's something really important and powerful about that. And, you know, every kind of storytelling is important for humans, I think. And this is, you know, whether it's uh, a big award-winning drama or whether it's something that just provides comfort, they both have incredible value.
0: And, uh, and and you have a great deal of value to me because I, I adore you. <laughs> uh, we are family, aren't we? I mean, people listening to this podcast, you know, we're talking professionally, but you and I, um, uh, you know, I see you personally when I come to L.A. and get and, and dinners together and things like that. You have always been one of the kindest people I think I've ever met. Um, and oh, I don't yeah. think it's, business that did that. I think your 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 parents did a great job in raising you, but you just have this aura of kindness around you.
1: Oh, Tony, thank you. And yeah, definitely a shout out to my parents for sure. <laughs> <laughs> maybe
0: we can get maybe we can get them to listen to this podcast and then there'll be four of us.
1: See, um, exactly. That would be amazing.
0: No, I mean I, I really do um treasure your friendship over these last years and
1: oh well thank you so much for having me tony and you know i jump at the chance to spend any time with you whether that is in person or virtually so i'm i'm <laughs> grateful that you made the time and invited me on
0: oh well thank you so much i mean you are always welcome and uh, uh please stay safe and and wash your hands uh, right after this interview uh you know because
1: <laughs> i will you know. i will i'm gonna uh I'm gonna give it forty seconds instead of twenty just because you, you know, brought it to my attention. So
0: and use I will. Brillo. Yeah. Make sure you use Brillo.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. You. But truly, stay safe and uh I can't wait till this is over and I can see you in person again.
0: <laughs> All right. And thanks for being part of the Talking Pictures podcast,
1: Adrian. <laughs>